I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Hi, and welcome to Play Me and our new series, The Show Must Go On. Created in response to the unprecedented closings of theaters around the world due to the global pandemic. Today, in honor of Mother's Day, we're presenting something special. Secret Life of a Mother by Hannah Moscovich. With Mev Beattie, Anne-Marie Kerr, and co-created by Marinda DeBeer. If you're a mother, have a mother, hope to be a mother, weren't able to become a mother... Or even if you've witnessed a heroic mom in action, this show is for you. It's an uncensored, taboo-busting glimpse inside the universe that is motherhood. The play reveals the untold secrets of pregnancy, miscarriage, childbirth, and mothering through confessions of both the playwright and her real-life friend who performs this story while sharing candid confessions of her own. This play was recorded in the age of physical distancing, and we linked up with members of the Secret Life of a Mother Collective in Lunenburg and Halifax, Nova Scotia, and in Stratford and Toronto, Ontario. This is part one of Secret Life of a Mother. Hey, hi, thanks for listening. I'm uh, Mev Beatty. Uh, welcome to the audio version of Secret Life of a Mother, a show we started making seven years ago and that we're still working on. <laughs> it's a play in five acts, but uh, don't worry, it's only 70 minutes. Hannah Moscovich, who is a writer, wrote this text which is in front of me. And then me and Anne-Marie Kerr, the director, and Miranda DeBeer, and the whole team are bringing it to you here. So, two months after Hannah gave birth to her son, Elijah, the mothering app she had on her phone sent her a tip. Today, try getting back in the sack with your husband even if you don't feel ready, exclamation mark. So a few years ago, Hannah and I set out to write about motherhood because there wasn't a whole lot out there that was, or felt like it was, for us. We both have kids. Hannah has Elijah. He's four years old. I have Esme. She's now six and they're in the other room with their uh, fathers right now because, well, 
I'm in this room playing Hannah. Now I'm going to read from the script itself. Secret Life of a Mother Text Notes There is one character. The character is Hannah Moscovich. Hannah is a writer. Anti-expressive. Anti-dramatic. So, for any of you listening that are familiar with my work, you might be thinking, she's poorly cast. And for those of you who aren't, (laughs) you're about to find out. Now, back to the script. Hannah is played by her real-life friend, Mev Beatty. That's me. And then Hannah says in her final text note, So guys, I've tried to record all of what happened to me. All the gross parts. The ones the blogs say are taboo. Act one is titled Miscarriages. What a fun title. Okay, here we go with the first page of Hannah's script. In December 2015, I was 14 weeks pregnant, and I went to the IWK and had an ultrasound of the baby. My organs, and then between them, a small fetus moving in spasms. There was so much movement that the doctor made a joke about how my fetus was going to win the Stanley Cup. A few days later, I woke up in the afternoon and turned over and something sloshed. I stood up and cupped my hands between my legs, and they filled up with blood. Christian, my husband, was watching hockey downstairs, and he came uh, running up, and by then there was a lot of blood on the floor around me. A, A pool of blood is actually... I was standing in a pool of blood. My hands were shaking, but my thoughts stayed calm, which might describe shock. Christian was having trouble putting sentences together. I remember thinking, okay, well, I guess I'm miscarrying again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In emergency, uh, this was right before Christmas, so doctor's offices were closed, and the QE to emerge in Halifax was packed with 70 or so people. There was, no joke, a guy who looked like he'd taken an axe to the forehead, and the nurses had given him this um, little plastic receptacle to, you know, bleed into, and he was patiently waiting his turn. And uh, I went up to the triage desk and I told them what was happening and how many weeks along I was and this was great but weird Uh, they got me a wheelchair and they took me straight in my first miscarriage I had waited in emergency for three hours 
This time I waited less than a minute. In the wheelchair, I asked the nurse, what, why? And she said, well, you're 14 weeks along. Most miscarriages happen between seven to nine weeks. So, yeah, the nurse thought I was probably going to have a, uh, I, might, I might have a more difficult miscarriage. I was taken into a room, and then a doctor wheeled in a portable ultrasound machine. He held the paddles against my stomach, which was a little uh, distended. My, my stomach was a little distended because I had started to show. And by then, there were four or five residents and nurses in the room, and they were all very focused on the screen. I looked over at Christian because he tried to take a sip from a coffee he'd finished hours ago. Or, no, actually... Uh, That was miscarriage number one, because, of course, this time we didn't have time to get a coffee. And on the screen, there's the baby, hanging, suspended, and not moving. The doctor starts uh, pushing down harder on my stomach with the paddles to try and get the baby to move. It was weirdly silent in the room. The medical staff were all glued to the screen, and I remember thinking how... Yeah, weird it was to see residents and nurses this emotionally involved. The baby still hadn't moved. The doctor started speaking to the monitor. He said, Come on. Come on, little guy. Come on. Come on. Move. And the baby... Moves. moves his hand and his body contracts and the room goes crazy the doctor shakes Christian's hand and one of the residents says to me I needed some good news Yeah, and uh, the whole time the baby was not moving, I was thinking, it's okay. I won't be a mother. That's okay. I probably wasn't going to be very good at it anyway. A year and a half earlier, in June 2014, I was by myself in New York City on a work trip for one day, 24 hours, and I was 11 weeks pregnant and not telling anyone, and I was nauseated, and I kept being surprised that no one was noticing, or at least not commenting on, how many meal replacement beverages I was drinking. I went back to my hotel room And I knelt over the toilet and couldn't vomit. And then I made myself get up and get into bed. Then I had a nightmare. I was in an ambulance and then a doctor leaned over my hospital bed and then said, I'm sorry, you've had a miscarriage. Then I woke up and I was in a Holiday Inn, Lower East Side. And I went into the bathroom to pee, and I pulled my sweatpants down, and 
there was uh, brown blood on my underwear. And I uh, sat there for a while, looking down at it. I went and got my laptop, and I sat on the toilet with it and Googled blood during pregnancy 11 weeks. And I got a lot of sites that said spotting is normal at 11 weeks, and probably it's nothing, which is surprising because usually when I diagnose myself using Google, I end up convinced I have Crohn's disease and autism. Maybe I didn't click on the links that I should have because I wanted to think I was fine because I was in New York City and I didn't want to have to find a hospital or work out how to get the travel insurance off my credit card. Also, I was about to fly home to Halifax and then on to Budapest, Hungary to work on a TV show and I didn't want that to get fucked up. And I wanted the baby. We'll be right back. Hear Shakespeare like you've never heard before. Here's your show. Play on podcasts are epic audio adventures reimagining timeless tales with award-winning actors. Double, double toil and trouble, fire burning cauldron bubble. Filet of a forest snake in the cauldron boil and bake. Listen today at playonpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Next morning, I was in the terminal at Newark Airport waiting to board my flight home, and I was walking around trying to find a place to plug my laptop in, and the airport was packed, and there were no available plugs and no seats, and fast food trash on the floor, like just like mashed into the floor. And I was thinking to myself, this is a shitty terminal. I hate Newark. And I went into the bathroom, which I was avoiding doing. There was more blood on my underwear. And I had this eerie thought. My nausea's better. On the flight home, I kept thinking through what I would say if I had to go up to a flight attendant. Hey, I'm um, miscarrying. Should I do that in my seat or should I go into the bathroom and miscarry in the bathroom? Where on this airplane do I miscarry? By the time I got home to Halifax, the blood was fresh blood. Me and Christian went to emergency and sat in the waiting room and various triage rooms for three hours and we told jokes and watched shitty talk show TV on silent and had coffees and bags of chips from the vending machines and scrolled through our Twitter feeds and then a doctor came into our room and said, do you know what a miscarriage is because there is no pregnancy hormone in your blood? And then I said this weird thing. I said, oh, yeah, I know what they are. Uh, my friend had one a few years ago. I don't know why I told the doctor that detail about my friend. I don't talk much unless... Uh, but my friend's miscarriage stuck with me. So maybe that's why... 
Hi. So uh, this is Mev, and I wanted to interrupt because I want to admit to you that I am the friend that Hannah thought of during her miscarriage because um, I described my miscarriage to her. I described all kinds of things about my miscarriage. Um, For example, I told her about the hemorrhaging that uh, happened a week after the miscarriage, uh, and this hemorrhaging took place in my accountant's office. Um, Art books, they're amazing. I highly recommend them. And uh, yeah, so I'm sitting on this uh, little corporate bathroom at the office on this toilet full of blood, and I thought, this is an amazing metaphor for taxes. Um, I had also told Hannah about the nurses that uh, had Um, worked on me at the hospital at the Emerge the night that we went. Um, I think these nurses were uh, maybe 12 or 13 years old. Uh, And uh, one of the nurses uh, actually said to the other at one point while they were doing my blood work, and there was, I mean, there was blood everywhere. There was blood just everywhere. And one of the nurses said to the other, I am so bad at this, (laughs) which uh, made my husband laugh and um, homicidal. Uh, But the thing that I admitted to Hannah about my miscarriage, which I didn't even realize until I admitted it to her, (laughs) was that the feeling of sadness when the doctor said, I'm sorry, there is no heartbeat. It was so simple. So the material from the miscarriage was still um, in me. And the next day, my family doctor looked at the notes from the ER, and the material was a little bigger than they like for pharmaceutical methods. So she told us we should be hustling over to the IWK at 7 a.m. the next morning, bright and early, because they do all their DNC surgeries on Thursday. And maybe they'd be able to squeeze me into the operating room slate if I went over and asked very nicely. And I... I've been up most of the night in the ER and the baby was gone and I had work deadlines and I know I sounded weary or maybe even hostile when I said, what if I don't do that? What if I don't hustle anywhere? At the IWK the next morning, bright and early, the surgical team was talking about me while I was still coming around from the anesthetic. They said, her cervical clamp is still in, and ask her why she's crying. And I opened my eyes, and there was a nurse looking down at me, and she said, are you in pain? 
I, uh, I wasn't in, um, was fine. I didn't know why I was crying. It was a weird... A doctor came over to me and said, miscarriages are routine and it's okay. Most women go on to carry the term. And I said, yeah. And I... Knew he was right. In the bed across from me, another woman had just had the same procedure and she was crying too. The nurses said it was because her husband couldn't get the day off work. That was part one of Secret Life of a Mother by Hannah Moscovich with Mev Beatty and Anne-Marie Kerr, co-created with Mirinda DeBeer. The original theatrical production was directed by Anne-Marie Kerr. You can listen to all three episodes now on Play Me. It was developed in residence and premiered at the Theatre Centre in Toronto and also ran at Crow's Theatre. It was created with the support of the Canada Council of the Arts, the Toronto Arts Council, and the Ontario Arts Council and Arts Nova Scotia. This episode's sound design and edit are by Chris Tolley. It also featured some original music and sound design from the original theatrical production by Debanish Sinha. And if you haven't already, please consider rating and reviewing us. It helps us get our podcast out to more listeners. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Theatre or Instagram at PlayMePodcast. Special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez-Carletti, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. The senior director of audio innovation is Leslie Merklinger. PlayMe's associate producer is Pippa Johnstone. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is produced by Expec Theatre in partnership with CBC Podcasts. For more information on our plays and artists, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.